0: First coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions.
1: I'm your host Ethan Thurston from the Sunshine State of Florida, and today we'll be talking about a glitch in the matrix. Minari, the crew, Barb and Stargood of Vista del Mar, Camp Crude at Le Brea, and special guests from Dolphin Island. But first, we'll be reviewing a Glitch in the Matrix with Benjamin, Ashley, and Hazel. So Benjamin, let's start with you. Um, what is this what is this movie
2: about? Oh, Ethan, what a question. Uh it's about a lot. It really is. There's, uh, and that's not a blanket. That's not like a, a cop-out answer. It really is. Um, so, okay. Where do I start? So there's this author named, um, Oh, Philip K. Dick. Thank you. And he gave this, thank you, Ashley. He gave this talk in, uh, I think it was Paris, um, in the late seventies about, and it, it was, He thought everyone thought it was going to be about one of his books, but he laid out his uh, belief that we're all living in a grand simulation. And then the movie from there kind of explores all the different avenues that come with that. So um, and how it's kind of filtered into our popular consciousness through things like the Matrix, which is where it was kind of popularized. And um certain unexplainable phenomena that uh certain people contribute to their beliefs that those are something greater.
1: Oh, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, my sister and I are almost like we're into that. It's like uh we're into the things where it's like um like for example, I don't know if you've seen the Coca-Cola with like the dot. It wasn't there before, but now yeah, it's Yeah, yeah. That's what it is.
2: The Mandela effect, yeah, yeah. It gets a lot into that.
1: Yeah, we're we're a lot like we we kind of like we believe in all of this, like, crazy stuff that happens. It's, it's, I don't know why. It's just, like, how we bond. We just believe in that crazy stuff, and we also love horror movies. <laughs> so, actually, what was your favorite thing
3: about this film? My favorite thing about this film was definitely the eyewitnesses. At first glance, they did seem a bit out of place, a bit of, like, irrelevant at some points, but I believe that the eyewitnesses really created that sense of relatability and connection to the stories that they um, showed and that they explained. That's definitely my favorite part.
1: So was this, you saying eyewitnesses? so was this like fictional or like was this real?
3: So this is real experiences um, about a very controversial and more like theory, so it was it was real but you could you could argue that a lot of it is is fiction but that's how the film actually explores uh the sides of simulation theory so it's quite interesting so
1: it's kind of like how
3: people would take
1: the film exactly oh okay and hazel um what was your favorite part about this Like Ashley said, the
4: testimonials um, were really, really cool. You know, I learned a lot. I came into this film not really knowing a lot about simulation theory. And after watching it, I knew a lot about it. So I guess the whole film as a whole was really, really
1: good. And when it showed the simulation, like what was kind of like the simulation? Did it show inside or how was it talking about the simulation?
4: So it goes into, so every like testimonial they, like Ashley said, it's kind of like telling their experiences and it, it kind of gives facts, not facts, but like it supports the idea that we are living in the simulation. And so everything with the film kind of supports that theory.
1: Oh, okay. So I'm starting to get it now. So it's kind of like a documentary of beliefs i guess like they're just believing that it's in a simulation and it's kind of like they, they think we're in a simulation they're showing facts about it right yes oh okay I'm starting, to, I'm starting to understand it now so um benjamin how did you take this film when you first saw it because i haven't even seen it yet and i'm already starting to understand so when you first heard of it how did like what did you think it was going to be about
2: So I think this is a really, sorry, I just, I think it's a really interesting movie to talk about with multiple people because it is so informed by perception. Um, But what I originally thought this was going to be about, honestly, uh, I heard the glitch in the matrix title. So I figured it'd be like, oh, it's going to be about the making of the matrix, (laughs) um, which I think I I saw that movie for the first time a couple of months ago. And it's uh, pretty incredible. So I was excited about that. And then it is nowhere close to what it is about. Um, I, uh, Yeah, the thing I like most about this movie, I think, though, is like it's not it's not seeking to answer any kind of question, really. It's just sort of talking to these people about what the concept of simulation theory means to them and how they have witnessed it in their own experiences. They're not calling in licensed experts or scientists because they can't because it's not inherently provable, Um, but it still aims to sort of. Help you understand this concept, and maybe uh, you'll see the world around you a little differently after.
1: Yeah. So, um, what do you think makes this documentary stand out? Other, like from other documentaries, what do you think makes this one so like different?
2: I think part of it is how much it deals with uh, simulations within its own mold, like all of the yeah all of the people they talk to in the movie have have these digital avatars um like kind of hiding their appearance and there's a lot of movie and tv clips and i think it's the um there's a kind of freedom to it and a lot of ambition in the way it there's a, there's some really incredible visuals um just sort of trying to portray this thing that you can't see and can only understand. And there's one testimonial where it is a guy who was sitting in church as a kid and like his whole world fell away. How do you portray that um, on a visual level? And the movie just is kind of, I wouldn't call it breathtaking because ultimately what it's portraying is pretty terrifying, but it, it definitely, envelops you in that uh, experience
1: yeah okay so i think i'm really starting to understand this
2: movie (laughs) ethan i saw it three weeks ago and i'm still not sure i understand it
1: (laughs) well we can never understand the world so i guess that's how it's gonna be outright. right you're listening to kids first coming attractions today we're talking about minari the crew marvin star go to vesta del mar camp crude at Brea, and dolphin island Right now, we're continuing our interview with Benjamin, Ashley, and Hazel. So, like we were talking about, uh, Benjamin was saying how confusing this was. So, Hazel, did you, did you, like, understand this? And do you think other people would understand this? Or do you think they could make something better? Like, fix something? You know, this
4: film, like... I literally, when I first watched it, I had no idea what it was about and um, I was watching it and some parts I was like kind of confused. But then like the the documentary kind of had a way of like pulling you back in and kind of like filling um, spots that you might be confused with. If there's anything that could be fixed, I don't think so. I think the documentary did such a good job. And it's just about perception. There wasn't really any um, actual factual evidence. It was different people and their perception of this thing.
1: So as Benjamin was saying with like the um, the animated thing, so how, how did that go? Would people just be talking about what happened and then would an animation pop up of like, how he would describe it?
4: Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. Uh, the animations were really, they were really interesting. Um, was I wasn't expecting that at all, but it just added another um, fun layer to the film.
1: Yeah, because usually documentaries don't really have animations. Usually it's just like people acting and like, when someone would say like, oh, this happened to him, like if he saw Barefoot, then it would just show like a clip of an actor like getting scared by something. So i think it's really cool that they have an animation mm-hmm. so ashley what do you think about the graphics and animation in this film
3: it was actually pretty incredible i am not a suckler for the gaming um as much <laughs> as i would like to but um the avatars um were quite well animated the this allowing uh, Rodney Asher, the director, having he said that uh, he wanted to actually have the eyewitnesses animated since the beginning and before the production. So either way, if it wasn't going to be during uh, quarantine or not, the eyewitnesses were going to be animated. And so what was interesting is that it allowed their um, testimonials to be effectively animated as well. So that was really cool because usually in the documentary, you get cut scenes of the actual um, eyewitnesses or a horrible acting situation going on. But with everything being animated, it was well executed.
1: Oh, okay, so I see, I, see, um, I see what you mean. Oh, so what I thought was really funny is how I've got three Incredibles from all three of you when I asked about the animation, three Incredibles, <laughs> is the animation that good? Yeah, it was. You should watch it. It's, it's pretty good. And do you think this animation? Do you think there's anything different about it from other animations you've seen, or does this is this one like really unique?
3: It's it's definitely unique um, since uh, the three D modeling was done by Maxim Solanovich, and it was really it was done pretty well because it actually looked like you were they were the actual avatar moving around. I'm not, I'm, I'm like really, my mouth was like to the floor because I was so interested in how, you know, they made this possible because it looked quite real. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sorry.
1: This is all the time we have. I do have two more questions. Uh, Benjamin, <laughs> I know you really critique about this stuff. So what is your star rating and age recommendation for this documentary?
2: I give this a three and a half. I really liked it a lot. Um, I think that it can't. It's not really an open and shut topic. I think it only adds to its charm and the way it goes about uh, documenting the, the whole thing about simulation theory through these uh, through the visuals and um, the the lack of the kind of uh, um, experts in it. Uh, I think it was a really cool way to do it. So I highly recommend it, yeah. And uh, age rating, I'm going to give it 14 to 18 because as you go deeper into simulation theory, there is a description of a violent crime um, that is pretty brutal.
1: Aw. <laughs> Alrighty. So let's take a break. I'm your host, Ethan Person, from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Track. Today's show is sponsored by Magic School Bus Rides Again, all about
5: Earth.
0: are tuned into kids first coming attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey welcome
1: back. I'm your host Ethan First from the Sunshine State of Florida and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about a group in the Matrix next up we're reviewing in our with Ishaan. Hey Eshan, how you doing?
6: Hi Ethan holding out in uh this crazy storm that texas has but uh doing pretty well otherwise
1: (laughs) it's glad to hear you because sometimes you would cut out so it's glad to finally hear you normal (laughs) yay so so how do you think um sorry uh what do you think is (laughs) sorry i don't know how to word it um okay what's this (laughs) movie about
6: So yeah, Minari is a pretty interesting film. Actually, Minari, the word is another word for a Korean watercress, which is key to the plot of the film. Basically, it praises the uh, Yi family. They're a family who's immigrated to the U.S. from Korea jacob monica and the two kids david and anne and so they have just moved from california to the ozarks for some new opportunities the parents are chicken sexers basically they determine the sex of uh, the chicken before they go off to um either become uh eggs or uh, or uh you know wherever their final destination is yeah. but um so they they go to arkansas and uh, they have a very interesting welcome and as they settle in there's some problems that come about and so um eventually they call over um the kid's grandma sunja to come and stay with them and uh from there things take a turn and it's just super fun to watch
1: what i thought was really funny is you read my mind i was literally my next question is going to ask what does minari mean because i was confused you just said up like read my mind i thought that was funny
6: <laughs> yeah So actually, I'll uh, tell you a bit more about why that's important to the plot line. So after Sunja comes to the U.S. um, and after she spends some time with the kids, uh, David, who's the youngest boy, he uh, poor guy has a has a heart condition, but he uh, he kind of says, oh, you're not a real grandma. You don't, you know, uh, do the things that the other kids grandmas do, those types of things and it's kind of like, oh, you're strange because you're from Korea. And so she's like, I'm not strange. And then she kind of they they kind of joke around, they bond over um, growing the Minari. And I think there's a larger symbolism involved in keeping Minari as the title because Minari grows in like this swampy sort of area. So it's almost like keeping the name as like a lotus because a lotus, minari, all those different plants, they grow in those swampy waters and they and these beautiful things rise out of this really murky area.
1: Yeah. So, like you're explaining, is this kind of like a cultural film about um,
6: like this culture? Not really. I wouldn't say so. It's a, It's an interesting blend of multiple things. It's like again, in my review, I say it's like the summer when everything changed. Um, it's. It, it involves a significant amount of Korean culture, but there's also a lot of like American heartland, you know, sort of <laughs> deep yeah. south type of uh, de- uh, uh, you know elements. But yeah, I think it's it's a. Nice blend of everything.
1: Yeah, I really like history, not school history, but I, <laughs> I, like, <writing laughs> history, I like learning about this. So I think this would be really interesting. And I thought, totally. what did you really like about this film?
6: There's a lot of things. I mean, first of all, it's an A24 film and A24 always puts out amazing films. They put out Midsummer. Yeah. Um, you know, all of, the, all of the projects have like a certain level of, or like a quality to them, but just, you want to keep, you just want to keep watching. Um, the cinematography is beautiful, acting is amazing, I love Steven Yeun's, all of his movies, um, and especially, you know, his performance here, I like how he kind of portrayed the sort of stoic Korean man, a lot of those different elements really come together beautifully.
1: Yeah, I kind of like that too, I just like, like what you were saying, it it really, I don't know, it's just kind of like inspiring to see how different people are and where they live, because... For us like in america we literally just have everything handed to us but <laughs> for them it's a lot different because they're like kind of it's kind of like a farm you would say
6: or yeah so this family has actually immigrated a few years ago so it's less of history uh it's it's and it's also less of like um, an immigrant family making do they they were pretty settled um in in california and then they moved because um jacob is Stephen Yeun's character. Uh, Jacob wanted uh, a larger plot of land so he could grow, as he says, a big garden. And uh, he wanted uh, to maybe go to Ar- uh, Arkansas for some more opportunities. And so they've pretty much made it, but then they have to rough it out in um, the rugged Ozarks. And they have, to, they have like a dilapidated mobile home. They have very few resources, all those things. So it's really, it's definitely a family film.
1: This is really like, interesting to take in you have to kind of like watch it to understand because i haven't seen it and this is hurting totally. my yeah. little brain <laughs> i need to watch it
6: there's yeah there's a lot of layers i love it
1: <laughs> what age recommendation and star rating would you give this film
6: i would give minari Five out of five stars, and I recommend it for ages 11 to 18. Honestly, adults will probably love this, too. It's just such a unique film. I think it's uh, really cool that we're getting these types of offerings right now. But yeah, five out of five stars and ages 11 to 18 plus adults.
1: All right, well, I'll be watching this after. <laughs> this totally.
6: Awesome with me. <laughs> sure, yeah. It's always fun.
1: You're listening to Kids Coming Attractions. Today, we're talking about A Glitch in the Matrix, Barb Star del mar camp crew at la and dolphin island we just finished talking to ishan about namari and next we'll be talking with ishan again on the crew he and, hey ishan it's been a long time since i've seen you
6: <laughs> what's up seems like it's been more than two minutes <laughs>
1: <laughs> well let's hear about this movie what's the crew about
6: All right. So, uh, just to preface this, I am a massive racing fan. Um, so if I, if I get super geeky about this, uh, please excuse me, but, (laughs) but this is uh, a show. It's a comedy show with the amazing Kevin James, a comedy powerhouse. Uh, it basically follows a group of coworkers at Bobby Spencer racing, which is a, a fictional small NASCAR team out of North Carolina, through their daily lives, basically how they interact with each other, their daily struggles, all these things. And the first sort of hurdle they get, uh, which kind of is traced throughout the whole first season, is that Katherine Spencer, who is Bobby Spencer's daughter, uh, she takes charge of the team and basically is like, I want to completely change everything around here. This is going away, this is going away. These new things are happening and there's a lot of resistance that happens. So it's a really, really fun watch.
1: I have a personal question. This for me. Uh, is the crew related to the game, the crew, or no?
6: <laughs> no, it's not. Actually, that was a, that was a question I had too. It's not. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's just very coincidental naming. I think <laughs>
1: <laughs> because it was racing the name the crew. Absolutely.
6: Awesome. Yeah. I was
1: like, man, if this is about the game, that'd be sick. Is, <laughs> is it
6: still good? <laughs> absolutely yeah it's um it's such a funny show i think i i finished the entire season uh that i had to screen and one day it was yeah. just absolutely like you can just go on such a binge and it's available on netflix now if you want to go watch it um it's 110% i mean um it's such an amazing such a gripping show but at the same time it's a light watch like you won't for example with the film we just talked about minari like you kind of you kind of take away a, a sort of heaviness somewhat at the end of the film. Um, this is definitely a lighter watch. Like you can go away from this smiling, really you know go about your day after this. Uh, I feel like Minari is a sort of day changing film. Uh, the crew is a sort of nice matinee watch.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, do you think you can take any moles from the show at all, or no?
6: There's a lot of morals, actually, that are embedded. Uh, One thing I like about these types of shows is they don't push morals in your face, but it kind of, uh, you know, uh, it's part of a subtext. So, of course, it's truly a show about, like, community, sticking together with friends, being there for each other, um, just through the plot line, I'm sure you can tell. Um, And I love that um, Kevin, Chuck, Amir, Jake, Beth, all the characters... Uh, even Catherine at, at one point, they all, uh, you know, really are always there for each other. They <laughs> the employees bear Catherine together <laughs> and, uh, you know, they all advise each other on their problems. Uh, I really like that. Definitely community, friendship, sticking together. Those are the three big ones.
1: <laughs> oh, I remember what I was going to say. I was going to say um, what, what you were talking about, how like you watched it in one day. I was just going to say I'm also like that. I would go. my <laughs> Because I used to have a tablet before my phone, so I use that just to watch Netflix. And since yeah. I don't see it anymore, I watch it for Netflix because I don't feel like making a whole new account on my phone. So um, <laughs> I always watch all of my shows and like, I would just watch them day and night, day and night. Not- <laughs> and then after I'm done, I'm just feel like, man, that was so worth it. And then I knew something- <laughs> I'm done watching it. I'm like, wow.
6: Yeah, I'm, the- I'm definitely a binge watcher. <laughs>
1: it worked on anything like the graphics or do you think it was all good and
6: neat so um of course so for me as a person i'm not a person who really cares for uh shows with laugh tracks in general but this is one thing i really liked about what they did uh is that actually the the sort of the laugh track that was laid in didn't feel super forced like it wasn't every two seconds when like the slightest little you know wise crack was made. It's yeah. like oh ha 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 you know that that's not it doesn't it doesn't kind of come <laughs> like that it's it's at like the the incisive really unique points. Um I, I like that for sure. One thing I think um they could work on, hmm. Some level of production, even though it's a, it's a Netflix show, I would love to have seen. Um, other sets, I feel like they rotated between two sets, um, but overall, it's uh it, it was quite good
1: i also i also i think it's funny how, like in the shows it would just be like, and that's what I thought, and it'd just be like a whole entire like whole just like hundreds of people just laughing at once, and like I didn't even get the jokes. so I'm happy that this show just, just forced it on it because it would make me laugh just hearing the people laugh. I don't know why, true, yeah. Just hearing how it, like how much other shows would force it would make me laugh. So I guess it did work.
6: True, yeah, it <laughs> like did. Just
1: like you're supposed to laugh here, but I like that does <laughs> shows force it. It just laughs. Yeah. I guess I don't know. It makes it really funny.
6: Yeah. So, so there's yeah there's actually uh, just one last thing. There's uh, a okay. there's another show that I would and I would compare this to, uh, except for the laugh track. It's a lot like the show Community um, by uh, which, which stars Ken Jeong and several other people. Um, the maturity level is a little bit lower, but um, the humor and everything is quite similar. Of course, every Kevin, Kevin James sort of star, every Kevin James star has a unique quality about it, just the way that um, the script is worded and everything. So um, it, it carries the sort of same flair as Paul Blart while being a bit of a better package. <laughs> to yeah, put it in the nicest yeah. words.
1: What I think is really cool about this film is... Um, it's about like racing and I've never seen a show about that. So I thought that was really unique about it because I, I kind of, I, I don't think I've ever seen like anything about racing unless it was a documentary or like a show on the TV, but I don't think I've ever seen a show or a movie about race cars. So I think this is really unique and cool.
6: Yeah. I mean, we're really only given like hints at the whole racing thing. I mean, it's, it's there, it's a plot device, but it's, it's not much more. We don't have like technical language. I think I said in my review that the, closest they get to describing technical things is like oh here's how an engine works or something you know they don't really go into you know oh bank left bank right let's do this let's do this you know they they don't go into the those the racing scenes like what you see on tv but it's it's still interesting and still gripping
1: 360 hard right now (laughs) (laughs) so what's uh what's your sorry what's your age recommendation and star rating for this show
6: So I'd give The Crew five stars out of five, and I recommend it for ages 13 to 18 plus adults. Honestly, this is such a fun family watch. Like, everyone just sit on the couch, put on the TV, and just chill together. It's an amazing show just for bonding time.
1: All right, well, I'm going to watch this show and not eat anything for two days straight, like I usually do. (laughs) (laughs) I get addicted to the shows. My mom's like, you have to come eat lunch. I was like, okay.
6: (laughs) Nice. All right.
1: Well, thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Ethan Person from the Sunshine State of Florida. you listen of to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by the Magic School Bus Ride. Again, all about Earth.
5: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up.
1: Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ethan Purston from Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about A Glitch in the Matrix, Minari, and The Crew. And next up, we'll be reviewing Barb and the Star Go to Vesta del Mar with Heather. Hi, Heather. How are you doing today? Hey, Ethan, I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So let's get started. And I kind of want to hear a little bit about what
7: this movie is. So it's about Barb and Star. They're um, mid, mid, Midwestern. They, they live in Nebraska and they're middle-aged. And they have a friend and she tells them, hey, why don't you just go to Vista Del Mar and Florida, you guys will have a great time. So and they end up going down there. But while they're there, there's an evil spy. and She plans to kill all of these Del Mar, so they have to stop her.
1: Oh, so it's kind of like a superhero versus a bad guy film? Basically. Oh, I love those, especially in Florida, because I'm living here in Florida, even though there's a bad storm, but I love Florida. So I can't wait to see this. So do you have any favorite parts about this film? Like any secret characters that you loved or something?
7: I really like Barb. I thought she was so funny and um, she's really fun. Like she really shows how age is just a number because um, she always, she, she always had this fear of doing anything and she was really scared to do crazy things. And then, By by the middle of the film, she's already like riding dirt bikes and walking on hot, hot coals, and she meets Tommy Bahama. So she's fun. And I love her accent, too.
1: (laughs) So like you were saying, it sounds like there's like a lot of crazy scenes. So do you think the graphics or the cameraman did really good at shooting these scenes?
7: Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. I mean, I liked seeing the evil villains' lair, which is super cool. And it, it looks like a mansion. It's marble floors and high tech. And then, yeah, and then they live in, they they stay at, like, this little hotel in, in Vista del Mar. But it's really nice and really colorful and really pretty. So you really see two extremities, the dark layer and then the bright, sunny Vista del Mar.
1: Oh, so it's like a really nice kind of neat color background.
7: Yeah, very vibrant, a lot of bright colors, lots of pink, blues, and and it's a lot on the beach as well, so you really get, like, the nice um, clear blue ocean, and it's really nice. It's very, very keys. (laughs) Well, it's
1: good to know we can at least see the movie, and it's not just pitch black the whole movie, (laughs)
7: because some movies are like
1: that. So do you think there's any morals in this movie
7: Yes, definitely. Like I said before, age is just a number. I mean, both Barb and Star, um, Star thought that she was way too old to have love again after her husband left her. And then Barb never thought that she would be able to, like, live again after her husband died. And then Visa Delmar just changes everything. Star falls in love and Barb takes some risks. And they have the adventure of a lifetime, which they never thought that they'd have. So like you're saying, she's kind of like a widow, right? Yeah, yeah, Barbie. Hey, yeah. Do you
1: think she did really good at portraying as being a widow? Do you
7: think like she really did good as playing that part? Yes. Um uh she she was really hurt by it and she talks about it. She she meets Jamie Dornan's character, who's like a super cute hunk, and then she starts talking about him and she says how much she misses him and how much things have changed. But then we see her transition into this happened, but I can still live my life, you know? Yeah. So do you think they can fix anything? Because this sounds like a fabulous movie. So do you think they can fix anything at all? No, not at all. I mean, it's it's made with the intention to parody spy movies. I mean, it's like, they, they make fun of a lot of things. Like, they make fun of, like, the spies and, and the extremities. And um, it's basically, like, what Bond could be if it was a comedy movie. And it's, it's awesome. And it's made with that intent. So no, I think I think Kristen Wiig and Annie did so good with that.
1: (laughs) I'm kind of like a Hispanic, and this sounds like a Hispanic movie. So I would love to watch this.
7: Um, Yeah, I mean, it's so weird, because they act like Miami girls, but they're from Nebraska. (laughs) So speaking of Miami, how was
1: the how was the location? Did they do like really good at making it look like Miami?
7: Yeah, um so we see we see two hotels. So we see one where Barb and Star thought that they were gonna stay in, which they ended up staying at, and then the one that they actually booked, which was like really bad and really poor. They had they didn't even have any pillows. But then the the upper scale hotel was really nice. It was right on the beach, sunny skies, like like you were saying, the sunshine state, um clear waters, nice sand, and then um they, the hotel is beautiful. I want to stay there.
1: Yeah, Miami's like a really nice place. It's like the good side of town and then the bad side. I
7: don't, oh. know
1: if I, I don't know if you've ever been to Miami, but there's like those huge houses with like those huge yachts behind their house, like probably ten times the size of their house. It's Ethan, crazy. I live yeah. in Miami. Yeah, Miami's crazy. I would love to go there. It's like thirty minutes away though. But
7: yeah, it's really nice. It is. It is nice. <laughs> Not with this weather though.
1: So final questions. Um, how what do you think the star rating is? I think personally, just by hearing it, even though I haven't even watched it, I'd give it a five out of five. So what do you what would you give it?
7: I I give it four or I give it four stars, yeah. Um I, I, I do. I mean, it's not really my kind of movie. Um, but but it's really mature as well. So maybe I, I missed out on a few like comedy. Comedy, yeah, it's um, kind of like those know?
1: movies that you understand when you get older. Like some things that would, like something that you won't understand, and when you're older, you're like, "Oh, that's funny," but it's too
7: late now because I'm already older. Exactly. I love right? when that happens.
1: Right. Well, what but, age recommendation but,
7: would you um, give this film? Yeah, I I'd give it. Wait, I'm sorry. What age recommendation would you give this film? I'd give it 16 to 18 plus adults because it is mature. Okay, well, thank
1: you for taking the time to speak with me. No, thank you. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we're talking about A Glitch in the Matrix, Nari, The Crew, and Dolphin Island. We just finished reviewing Barb and Star, Go to Vesta, Denmark, and next, we're switching over to talk with Micah about the event Camp Crude at La Brea. Hi, Micah. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm Good. So what's this about?
8: Well, this is actually a live event that I attended, and it's basically a program that has educational activities about prehistoric times and the Ice Age, and it describes like a bunch of different animals that are mostly extinct, um, and it specializes in saber-toothed cats, and you get to do a bunch of different projects and activities, like speaking with a paleontologist, and you can also get to see a puppet show. So I thought it was a really cool event, and it, you can learn a lot from it.
1: It sounds really interesting because I kind of, when I was younger, I used to love like studying about animals and kind of like biology and all that. So do you think this really could help kids learn if they want to study biology or study animals? I think it can definitely help because it gives like, not only
8: does it specialize on saber tooth cats and extinct animals, it also focuses on fossils and different aspects of the animals. So it can really help overall when you're trying to discuss um, your topic in biology or animals, like you said.
1: Yeah, because I've been seeing like a lot of videos of like scientists trying to bring back animals. And I just thought that was really interesting. So it's nice to know that they're they're kind of like showing kids about saber tooth cats. And maybe one day those kids will grow up and have a job. And then I guess like they can, I don't know, discover the next dinosaur which would be really exactly. cool. Exactly. So, this event sounds cool. I wish I was there. <laughs> I wish I could be there. So, Micah, what was your favorite part about this event?
8: My favorite part was probably the puppet show with which featured Mark Witten and Brian Meredith, and of course, um, Nibbles, um, which is played voiced by Mark Witten. And Nibbles is a marionette puppet, and he helps Brian and Mark explain um, saber-toothed cats and other different types of animals and their fossils.
1: Oh, that sounds nice. So it's like famous people there, too? Yes, they are very knowledgeable,
8: and they give a lot of good information.
1: And what do you think was kind of like the overall message, or what do you think we, you should really take out of this whole event? Well,
8: I think the purpose, like the real takeaway from this event, is really that you, um, there's always room to grow and always things to learn. And this event really tries to teach kids and their families about like Asian days and the animals that walked during those days. And it also uses fun projects, which is really a good way to get people learning about it.
1: So as you said, projects, can you say some of the things that you got to do there?
8: So, yeah, we got to talk to a paleontologist um, who talked about her hundreds of thousands of fossils. And it was also cool because it coincides with The Crudes, A New Age, which is a movie that recently came out. So there was a lot of connections that could have been made with The Puppet Show and also speaking to the paleontologist, like I said. Um, and all, overall, all of the discussions were really um, co- correlate with that movie, which made it um, very cool.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen the movie, but I feel like it would still be funny, even if I didn't see the movie. And do you yeah. think that kept you entertained, like, the whole time?
8: Yeah, I was definitely entertained the whole time. Like, there was never a moment where I was like, oh, I wish I was somewhere else. Like, I was excited to be there the whole time.
1: <laughs> I think you enjoyed it that much. Yes. I also love those, like, type of events where you just get to do activities and it's so fun. And then at the end, you're like, oh, I have to go home. And then it's hey. a tired, tire drive home. <laughs> was that, was it like you for, uh, was it like that for you too?
8: It was like that. I was like, it's over already. Like it felt like really short, but it's actually like an hour and a half really.
1: So was this only like a one-time thing or can people still go there? Well, um, you
8: can actually go to the Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History. Their website, they actually have a um in this event, um, scheduled for February 23rd, I believe, um, so you can actually go to that website, and you'll find all the information you need if you want to attend this event.
1: So is it, like, are there just groups, or is it, like, for kids only? Could you have adults there, or is it only for kids?
8: No, it's for everyone. You can, um, bring anyone you like, because it's, everyone will be able to find something they like in it.
1: That's really cool, because it's kind of, like, you can have almost, like, um, You can have just like a vacation there, I guess. You can go there. You can stay at a hotel, stay a few days, and go there on the day, and that'd be really cool because it's kind of like a trip. Exactly, it's really. (laughs) I might go. I'm not gonna lie. I might go on the 23rd. It's a virtual field trip. (laughs) Oh, it's virtual. Yes. That's even cooler. (laughs) That's even cooler. Yes. After. After the whole pandemic, do you think they'll go back to doing it like in live, like in front of you? Or do you think it's always just going to be virtual? No,
8: I think their plan is like when everything settles down. I definitely think the plan is to get it back live and in front of real people again. And I think that'll be a great thing for them because the interaction will be even better than it was over a computer or a screen. So, yeah, I definitely think they're planning to reopen that experience for everyone.
1: So when you're talking about the virtual, so how, how would this work like would they ask you questions and you can raise your hand and type in chat, how would that work? Yes, actually. so
8: after after every segment for all the um, different facilitators and the teachers, you could there was a Q and a session so you could type your question in the chat or raise your hand and they will pick different people to answer their questions. So you get so, some people will have the opportunity to actually get their questions answered.
1: Oh, this is this sounds really cool. I would honestly love to do this. So I'm sorry, this is all the time we have. I have two more questions. Um, what's your star rating for this uh for this event and your age recommendation?
8: My star rating for this event is 4.5 out of five stars, and it was great. And the age recommendation is si- age, age six to 18 plus adults, because honestly, anyone can enjoy it.
1: Well, thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Thank you. Let's take a break. I'm your host Ethan Purston, from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Magic School Bus Ride again, all about Earth.
5: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com/forward/slash/voiceamerica.
0: To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up.
1: Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ethan Person from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about a the matrix, Nari, the crew, Barb and Star go to Vista, Denmar, and Camp food at La Barre. And next up, Avalon and myself will be interviewing Mike Diza and Annette Duncan from Dolphin Island. Hi, this is Ethan Kirsten and Avalon Nehemi, reporting for Kids First, and today we have the pleasure to interview actress Annette Duncan and director Mike Diza from the movie Dolphin Island. Miss Duncan is a college professor and actress. She has participated in several documentaries, and in the film, she portrays Grandma Shirley Williams. Mr. Deezza has worked as a director, animator, and story story artist for Disney, Warner, Marvel, Emblem, and Hanna-Barbera H- feature animations. Just before COVID, Mr. Deza wrote and directed the film Dolphin Island. Hi, Ms. Duncan and Mr. Deza Thank you for having us today. How right, are you guys? Hi. Hi. Happy
9: to be here.
10: <laughs> Please call me Mike, because Deezza is just a hard word to say a lot. Okay. <laughs>
9: And lest he be the cool one, you can call me Annette.
1: Okay. Uh, So, Miss Duncan, or sorry, Miss Annette, in what ways do you think you relate to Grandma Shirley Williams in this film?
9: Well, as the cool one Mike was just saying, um, we talked on the phone before, after I was booked, but before we met in the Bahamas. And he asked me, and I felt this was really special. He asked me what sort of things, as I read the script, I might relate to and might connect with my life, my values, my experience, et cetera, and that that I might want to see built on. And um, one of the things that's not in my bio but I will tell you, is I've been a pastor's wife for a whole lot of years. And um, so, so I'm definitely a person of faith. And um, as we began to talk, there, there initially really hadn't been that dimension so much for Cheryl. But Mike uh, glommed onto to that. And um, as I, I said, yes, that was, that was part of my life and my values. And he wrote and he built and he built into Cheryl a real faith. She definitely is family-oriented and, and I'm family-oriented too. Um, but in facing challenges and facing some really scary situations in that movie, um, she chose to turn to her faith. And that's something that, that I feel I can relate to.
1: And What was your favorite part about working with Mr. D's on this
10: film? Okay, I'll leave. <laughs> <Yeah. sighs>
9: um, You know what I think, I think I could list a whole bunch of things, and that's that's honest. Um, but because whether it's stage acting or some other things that I've done, um, understandably more concerned about what they're doing with the project than they are the people, isn't always that far off the mark. Um, but from the very beginning, from the very first phone call, it became stunningly clear to me um, that that Mr. Mike um, was more concerned about the people, that he wanted to build relationships with us and among us, that he wanted to find out what we wanted and what we were uh, feeling that we wanted to bring to the characters and, um, you know, where there were challenges he didn't just have an attitude of, well, you know, this is part of it. Buck up. He had an attitude of, of well, what can we do? Thank you for pushing through. I know this was hard. Um, for somebody who's had so, so much success, he was very, very humble, very human. And I really, really deeply appreciated that. So I guess I'll list that as my number one.
1: You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we've been talking about A Glitch in the Matrix, Minari, the crew, Barb and Scar go to visit the Mar, and Camp Crude at La Le Let's get back to our interview on Dolphin Island with Mike Deza
2: and Annette Duncan. So, Mr. Mike, uh, this film has a very intriguing cast. Peter Woodward, Dion Lee, Tyler Jade Nixon, and of course, Annette Duncan. What was the casting process like?
10: Oh, um, casting process is the same always. Um, you have hundreds of people who are paying for, or I say hundreds of people are paying for stuff. In this case, it was three, but let's say you have the people with the money chattering at you like crazy lunatics, and what? <laughs> and then you have a script. And so what you do is you put you put out a casting call, and you hope that people with integrity and talent and heart show up. So the casting process is people send in. Um, tapes and you, you you try to stare at them late at night. Uh, my daughter was actually um, one of the cast members of the film, but she was also the uh, line court the line producer or the line what whatever you call. And so she would bring me these um, it, it takes concentration, but you can see it. And so what in this case I was so lucky that at one point she had just turned to me and said cast cast your cast, just do it. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Within 15 minutes, like offers had gone out to everybody I wanted. That Windows like that don't open very often. <laughs> and you learn as a director to jump. Um, and uh, I, I cast the people who I, I felt I could see something more than uh, just technique. And, and I, I could see a heart. I could see a little bit of, the, of, the, of who they might be.
1: So, Mr. Deza, how is it working with dolphins? Did you have any previous experience directing dolphins before?
10: Yeah, no, yeah. Um, um, in many of our animated films, we would force dolphins to draw the um, actual, you know, and which was hard for them because they don't have fingers. But we would like, you know, we would tape the pencil. Uh, <laughs> they we were always complaining about, oh, I need to go, sw- I need to get in the water. And We're like, yeah, you know, it was, it was, it's difficult working with dolphins. You know, um, it's 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 hard to get their attention. <laughs> So it, it, yeah, yeah, that was actually a, a fairly big challenge. The also the other problem is is that um, if you're going to shoot animals, you, you really need to have you know a lot more cameras out there than we did because <laughs> you know you're looking for the the happy moment where the animal does something that you can interpret.
2: So uh, Miss Knight, you have seven children, seven grandchildren. What do you hope your grandchildren and other families take away from this film?
9: Wow. There, there are quite a few things, quite a few themes that can be followed through the film. Uh, of course, I want them to enjoy it and to laugh and to cry and to feel into the movies. So on one level, I want that. I'd also like them to think about um, some of the themes that we've already mentioned here. One is... Sort of family and legacy. at The, the moment where, and this was, this was Mike's idea, um, that we use a cross necklace as a representative uh, thing of me passing on to my granddaughter, kind of, you know, both uh, a sense of family a sense of love and connection, and a sense of faith, a sense, like, like Cheryl says for line, um, that don't worry, life has a way of working out just the way it's supposed to. And I really do hope that my, <laughs> still my kids, they're, they're not old enough that I've stopped worrying about them. My kids and my grandkids are um, able to do that, that they learn more and more, that um, as as Mike was talking about before, struggle, tension, even suffering sometimes is part of life. Confusion. You know, you don't have faith unless you have uncertainty. If life is always working out the way it's supposed to, you're not walking by faith. You're walking by sight, right? But if you're if you're walking in faith then that means you're stepping into the unknown and the uncertain and sometimes the scary and sometimes the painful. So, so I hope that they take away from the film a little more awareness that, that yeah, we, we can trust. We can trust God. We can trust that life happens for a reason and that it all does come together. Um, I believe in a beautiful way. And I think-
2: Thank you so much, um, Ms. Annette Duncan and Mr. Mike Deezer for talking with us today. Be sure to mark your calendars for March 2nd to watch Dolphin Island the most digital streaming platforms. Thanks so
1: much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch the latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for reviews on fest 4 kids kidsworlds.com, in Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media, for Voice America, and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Magic School Bus Rides Again all about Earth. I'm Ethan Purston from the Sunshine State of Florida reporting for Kids First, signing off. Goodbye. <music>